Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast, hosted by the starting kicker for your Golden Gophers, Matthew Trickett. And me, Tony Liebert, um, for today's episode, um, we'll be talking uh, a little bit about uh, National Signing Day, early National Signing Day, which is coming up on Wednesday, um, and uh, some more transfer portal talk and a little bowl game talk as we inch closer to the Gophers versus Syracuse in the Pinstripe Bowl on December 29th. Um, I guess we'll kind of, I guess, start with the transfer portal again. Obviously, it's continuing to be a hot topic. Um, I guess for the for the fans listening, the Gophers landed two more um commitments over the weekend. Um, one from Charlotte, uh, wide receiver Elijah Spencer, um, who was very talented wide receiver. He had um almost a thousand uh yards last season, fifty seven catches for nine forty three and nine touchdowns. Um, and he will have three years of eligibility remaining, which is the same as. Uh, Southeast Louisiana uh, safety transfer, Jack Henderson, who's also a very productive player last season, who had 82 tackles, um, two interceptions, two sacks, two forced fumbles, and was all Southland Conference. Um, that's an uh, area that's worked well for the Gophers the last few years with Jack Gibbons, um, Ryan Staff last year, both from Abilene Christian, and now Jack Henderson coming from the same conference. Um, but yeah, two big additions from the transfer portal. And I guess uh for you, when you transferred from Kent State, what what's kind of I guess the timeline? Um I I don't remember exactly when you verbally committed, but kind of at this point when uh two guys like this uh say they're coming to Minnesota, uh what's the timeline, I guess, that you uh start joining the program, obviously, because the team right now is preparing for the bowl game. So when it, when it was you, when did you start practicing with the team? Yeah. So I was, I was a lot later. I got in the transfer portal, I think late January. And then I think within a week I committed to Minnesota, but I didn't have to arrive until June or early May, I should say, just because I had to, complete my degree at Kent but for these guys it's going to be a lot quicker turnaround so I mean for them now there's a what three-week window of being able to transfer take visits and I think you have to have all that pretty much decided before when signing day tomorrow oh yeah oh Wednesday I think Wednesday okay yes the 21st so yeah I mean Guys that are going to be enrolling in the spring, I think the four commits so far are all doing that. So they have to, you know, go on these visits, know that they want to transfer out of wherever they're at. And then it's a quick turnaround. I mean, you commit and then within a month, you're going to be moving in somewhere new and have a new schedule for uh, spring classes and start winter workout. So it's a lot. A lot of change really quickly for these guys, but it is really helpful getting guys in the spring just because 
were able to go through spring ball, see how practices are like, and establish yourself among the guys before fall camp hits. So you have a little bit extra time to get comfortable and hang out with the guys and create those bonds that really get tested during the season. Yeah, I would imagine, uh, obviously, that's something that's become a lot more popular even for high school guys to commit before their – or to, I guess, come to the program uh, before the summer and uh, practice with the spring. And I think the past few years you've kind of even seen that with the Gophers, with guys like Justin Wally. I remember he was an early enrollee. And it, it, I think it's a really big advantage to get those extra couple months. And I'd imagine for a transfer, it's it would be pretty weird, I guess, going to a school one semester, like going – Louisiana and Charlotte are two very uh, different areas than Minnesota. So playing a football season in Southeast Louisiana and then transferring to Minnesota for the winter would be a little weird, but uh, we'll see how that goes for Jack Henderson. But um, I guess kind of now tying into more of the high school aspect of early early national signing day, um, where this obviously – uh, time of the year where everyone loves to talk about recruiting rankings, saying this guy's ranked here, that guy's ranked there. And I've always kind of had a theory that um, rankings are a very interesting thing because ultimately they don't matter. And anyone uh, who I guess says that they do, because they do, I guess, to some point, I think, um, like the thing that I – get annoyed with with rankings especially in football there's so many different players and let's say there's like 25 five stars or maybe 20 in the whole country and then there's like uh 254 stars so that's let's say 300 players or either four or five stars then there's like 2,000 fbs players that are three-star recruits and i I think recruiting rankings get a little lazy at that point. So that's why I think there's a huge reason why they're not very important because saying that 2,000 players are all as good as each other can be really true because they all have the talent to develop into the same thing, I think. But I guess from your point of view, and I guess a college football player's point of view, I know uh, specialist recruiting rankings is a little different, but how much, I guess, in the locker room – because obviously a coach is going to tell you, like, oh, recruiting rankings don't matter. We're just going to bring in our guys. Uh, how, how do you – how does that kind of, I guess, work in a college locker room? Yeah, so it's funny, you know. The outside perspective is, oh, this guy is a four-star. He's going to be one of our top guys, whereas this guy, you know, he may have been a mid to lower three-star guy, so he's not going to have a great impact that all gets thrown out the window as soon as you step in the facility. I mean, and especially if you're one of the more well-known guys in the recruiting rankings, um, you know, all the guys in college see that as their experience and everything is so much more important than the stars behind, behind your name. So, I mean, in those winter workouts, you'll see the guys with the four stars, they don't just get the benefit of the doubt. I mean, guys on the team, you're going to have to prove to them why you're a four-star, why you're a high three-star, stuff like that. It's not 
it's not easy sometimes <laughs> just because guys can be really hard on each other and like everyone wants to be the best. So uh, when guys come in with that four star or whatever their ranking is, everyone else is going to be like, okay, like prove it to me. Show me why you were ranked better than me, you know? So it creates that really nice field of competition that improves everybody ultimately. But yeah, I truly think ratings uh, get thrown out the window. And like you said, with the 2003 stars or whatever that is, uh, kicking ranking is a little bit different. But one thing that I think could greatly impact uh, recruiting of other sports and rankings of other sports is just add a half a star, you know? Yeah, that's what I've always thought. Kicking has five stars, four and a half stars, four stars. Just add a half star. You know, like those guys that are borderline, just, you know, make it a little bit different just to separate guys based on different qualities that they have. You know, I think a lot of it comes down to work ethic and it may be hard to rank guys from one camp based on, you know, their work ethic, but you have to get some sense of the kid's character as they're going through these camps. And if you were to add that into it, I think it would be a little bit better of a feature, but that's, that's me just preaching that. So no, I I've had the exact same sentiment since I've, I guess, even known what recruiting rankings are. Cause I think it's a, it's a very odd thing. If you look, I guess, at a list of players and a guy who's ranked 320th is a three star but a guy who's ranked 1500th is also a three-star. It just seems like a little odd. And if you get deep into the into the weeds of recruiting, it's obviously with all these rankings and stuff, it's sometimes it almost just like who you know. And when you have this camp, that means so much because you have all these recruiting analysts there uh, changing their leaderboards based off this camp. There's so, t- so many times you see – uh, especially I think recruiting rankings are very pointless before you're even a senior because at that point it's all about like what camps you went to, who you know, and then they're ranking you high. And a lot of times you see by the time you're, oh, the guy's a senior, he might drop 400 spots or go up 400 spots. And like at the end of the day, what what's – in high school you can't improve a lot year over year, but making that big of a drastic jump in a player's uh, – analysis a little weird so just like anything though it, it gets a little political at times and it's just all about who you know and schmooze into the right person so that's why i personally think it's a lot more about who the player is and like you mentioned that uh you figure out pretty early who's a real who has a four-star work ethic and who's a four-star talent and um that i think that's the most important thing for I guess fans looking at recruiting rankings because they'll see they'll be like, oh, the Gophers are have the forty fifth best, best class this year and they had the thirty seventh last year. Why are they getting worse? Like, like I just kind of said, I think really like the classes probably twenty five to fifty are not that much different because you're getting the same level of talent. You get a couple four stars, a uh, handful of high level three stars, and one recruit there and one recruit there 
can make like a 10 team difference because it's all pretty close. So it, like if you look at the the Gopher, uh, Gophers list and be like, oh, why are they 45th? Like from my perspective, if they're anywhere between 30 and 50, I think it kind of comes down to the same. But uh, with so much information, it just becomes a lot of overanalyzing and people are like, oh, why is this? Why is that? And at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to more about the culture and program that you have in place that you can bring guys in and develop them rather than uh, what stars are they coming in with. Yeah, I think it was Texas A&M last year with the number one recruiting class. And this year, they're not even going to make an appearance in a bowl game. So yeah. while recruiting is huge to improve your team, there's a lot more that goes into it. And it is nice to simplify everything with a list of, you know, these are the rankings. These are where each team stands. Um, that's less than half the story. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I don't think Minnesota is ever going to be, you know, top five in recruiting rankings. Um, Anytime soon, at least. Um, yeah. It's it's tough to take down those blue bloods. Alabama's been up there forever. You know, Ohio State's up there every year, Clemson. Um, and it's not that those programs, per se, are that much better. It's just, you know, the tradition um, in different aspects like that that all go into where a recruit wants to end up. So, yeah, like if, if someone asked me and they're like, why didn't this four star player from Minnesota commit to the Gophers and why did he go to uh, SEC school? Like I, I always say that those schools just have things that the Gophers can't offer. I don't it doesn't necessarily mean that the Gophers are this uh, this bottom dweller program. It's just some players want to play in the SEC and they want to play in the South. And some people just don't like Minnesota. And if you – it's all about comparing yourself as a program to your relative peers. Like if you're uh, – this is a weird example that I just thought of. But if like you're in the NBA and you're like the 11th guy on the bench and you're comparing yourself to like LeBron James, you're not going to uh, be that happy with yourself. You, But – you can still be a successful 11th guy. If you're the Gophers and you're comparing yourself to Alabama and Ohio State, you're going to have pretty tough time meeting those expectations. But if you compare yourself to Wisconsin, to Iowa, to even Penn State, Michigan State, the best teams in the Big Ten that you should be able to compete with when it comes to recruiting and stuff like that, that's where you can meet those realistic expectations. And then once you become a program like that, then you can start saying, oh, how do we take the next step? It's it's, it's not an overnight thing. You're not going to become a top five recruiting program like you like you said. And like even if you look at Texas A&M now, they had like 25 guys or something crazy enter the transfer portal. And I think that's a testament that it's all about your program. It's all about who you're surrounding yourself with, the assistant coaches, the facilities, the culture you built. And I think Minnesota's proven that, and Coach Fleck has proven that he has a sustainable culture that I think will compete in the Big Ten long term, no matter uh, if his recruiting class is ranked 45th or 32nd. Yeah. 
I agree. It's just doing your best and pushing yourself to limit each year. Um, because like you said, comparing yourself to a Penn state, Wisconsin, Iowa, that's the best way to go about it. And you have to start somewhere. You can't just jump all the way up to the top. You have to, you know, work your way up. You can see teams jump drastically to the front of the line. Um, not that Texas A&M was ever bad at recruiting, but, you know, they were never top five. All of a sudden, they're yeah. top five one year, and then all these expectations surround their team. With those expectations, they can be very hard to deal with if you don't have a solid foundation built. And like we saw, you know, they weren't able to live up to that. I believe at the beginning of the year they were uh, ranked in the top five, top ten at least, and then quickly, quickly dropped out of there and never even got close to getting back in it. So. You know, I think Minnesota is in the right track. Um, it's not going to be an overnight success like, you know, a lot of. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Fans want to see, but it is heading in the right direction. And the players right now are working extremely hard to change that so that when we come back in the future and, you know, are on the sidelines at games or in the stands supporting our alma mater, we're able to enjoy you know the top recruits in the nation so it's it is a tough period to be in because it's just under that level of success that the fans want but you got to go through those periods yeah uh early in coach flex tenure with the gophers uh he was getting compared a lot to uh Dabo Sweeney with Clemson they share very similar I guess beliefs and coaching styles but uh, for Clemson, they were a program that was going eight and four, nine and three, having years similar to this. And it took five, six, seven, eight years till they broke through into being that top 10 program every single year and uh, playing in New Year's Six Bowls and making the college ball playoff. And it's when you get those one player, like uh, even a – player the level of Ethan Kaliak Manis, or you get these players that are big time recruits, th those are the players that change the program. And then that's how you can get more. And going back to Texas AM, like they might have been selling a five star culture when they only had a four star or culture at the program. And they can't sub sustain the five stars. Like if you threw 12 five stars in the Gophers program, I'm I'm sure Coach Fleck would uh figure out a way to make sure it works, but that's a huge change from what that you have right now. And that's a lot of personalities. That's a lot of different style of player that you're used to coaching. And I think that's what Texas A&M ran into and they could still catch up and figure out how to work, how to make it work. But I think they just weren't ready for it yet. And I guess kind of now transitioning into more early national signing day for you, uh, when you were coming out of high school, did you, 
uh, signed to Kent State uh, in the winter, or did you do it in the normal signing day in the spring? I did it in the spring. Um, I, you know, had a couple offers that were ready to do the early signing day, but I wasn't sold on them yet, and I still had to take a couple visits before I really knew what I wanted to do. Uh, I think that may have been one of the first years that the early signing day was a thing as well. Um, so it was kind of new. Uh, not a whole bunch of people were doing it. Uh, so, no, I, I waited until almost the last minute to commit. So, you know, I really wanted to take my time, make sure I was making the right decision for me and my family. Yeah, uh, I guess when you're when you're signing the paper, what is it like? Do you remember what it said like exactly? Like, what are you even signing? Well, <laughs> it's funny because it's it's not even anything. Like, it's just a blank yeah. piece of paper when you're up on stage. But you know, I think I signed at like seven in the morning, six thirty in the morning, something like that. Um, all the papers at my house, uh, just because all the coaches want to. You know, get that thing signed as early yeah. as possible just so you can't make any brash decisions. Um, so when you're up there on stage, it's just a blank piece of paper for most guys. Um, there might be some people that don't do that. Um, but to my knowledge, everybody that I've seen do it, it's just a blank piece of paper. And you, <laughs> you know, you can either write in pen, you can act like you're writing just so you can get a couple pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I always thought it was funny when they did it so like early in the morning because like I remember walking into high school and then you're just like passing pass by like the gym and you just see like 20 people at like 6.45 a.m. They're just signing what college they're going to go to and it just it seems very odd thing to do uh, before the, well, the sun rises sometimes. But uh, did you – so uh, did you have like a normal – what was the process like at your high school? Was it, did you sign with like a bunch of other people that were committed or how did that work for you? Yeah. So we did it a bit differently. You know, most schools do it in their gym. Um, and each player could have like their certain time slot uh, yeah. for my high school. We all just went into our auditorium and then, uh, I forget exactly how many of us there were, but, they just kind of announced us out for each person and, you know, people's families were there and it was in the afternoon. Uh, you know, your student friends were there. Uh, and then everyone at the same time with their hats on was able to sign the paper and get pictures. So it was good. It was a good time. Yeah, it, it, it is uh, kind of what makes – college sports so interesting because it really is a spectacle when you see all the clips on on twitter of people committing and uh, all the all the fakes with the hat and all that and then even now you uh the programs have gotten really creative with the announcements when a player does commit or is signed at this point but that they have like the cool cartoon animation animation sometimes and then you get all the highlights uh, signing day is always a very fun spectacle of college sports. And it it's one of those things that uh, it makes the sport feel super important and it makes it feel like, like a big yeah. deal. <laughs> no, hundred percent. That's, that's half of the reason to do it because I remember at mine, I was 
the night before and maybe even that morning. Like I was very sick. So I was debating even going to my signing day because I just didn't have the strength or energy to do anything. <laughs> so I was not going to go. And then my parents were like, you know, you probably should. You only get to do this once. And I was like, all right, I'll go. <laughs> and, you know, brought myself to go. and It was good. But definitely they make it out a lot bigger than it really needs to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess kind of wrapping up the uh, National Signing Day talk, the uh, Gophers uh, likely will have a few other guys that commit between now and Wednesday. And you can, I guess, follow me on Twitter uh, for more updates on that and kind of uh, breakdowns on who is coming to Minnesota. But um, like we kind of touched on, I think it'll be – uh, more than a uh, good class for the Gophers. They got a lot of Minnesota guys coming in. Um, a lot of talented players out of state. Um, some good running back and wide receiver talent. Good offensive line talent. And I I think it'll be another uh good class coming in. That and Coach Fleck has shown that he's very good at developing talent and developing talent that some people might not see as a contributor in the Big Ten, but. Um, like they might not have a high recruiting ranking, but Coach Fleck has shown that the program he's built can develop players like that. So um, there'll be players that you read on Twitter or you'll see online. They'll be like, oh, this guy's going to be super good. This guy's going to be good. Uh, and really the only people that know, I think, are those players and the coaching staff. So it'll be fun to follow. Um, and uh, like we said, that it, that is on Wednesday. So you can follow, I guess, a bunch of coverage online for me and other people, but um, yeah, the bowl game is only ten days away now. Um, uh, in New York, I guess. What's the timeline between now and then? Uh, when you guys are flying out there, uh, the festivities before. Um, kind of how is that looking? Yeah. So this past weekend, we were able to do a lot of festivities with the team. Um, we went to the Vikings game, which was awesome. Uh, sadly, we're not there for the entirety of it. Uh, when did you guys leave? Then, um, end of the third, I believe. Okay. So I, I think we may have been the contributing factor to uh, – the Vikings not being able to score points because as soon as we left, you know, the Vikings wanted to put up all those points. Uh, <laughs> but then we also had a nice Christmas team party, you know, ugly sweater party. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, and then the rest of – this is our last official week here. And then I believe we leave next Sunday, Christmas Day, to go Ooh. to New York. So – yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting. We got a few more practices in here before we go to the bowl site and get our last couple practices there before the game. Yeah. So, are are you doing? Uh, I guess Christmas with your family before or before the flight, or when you get in New York, or kind of what what are you gonna do with that? Um, probably. You know, when I get to New York, I haven't talked about it too much yet, but. <laughs> Um, that's kind of one of the things that comes with college football and bowl games. Uh, yeah. You don't always get to be home for the holidays or for certain festivities. So 
uh, yeah, probably New York. And then when I get home after New York, we'll probably do something as well then. Yeah, I, uh, we talked about it, I think, a few episodes ago, but New York in December around the holiday is going to be, I think, a cool experience for for anyone. And uh, all the Gophers fans that are, that love to hate on everything and say, oh, it's a cold-weather game, I think it should still be a really cool experience, and it, it should be a good football game. I know uh, Syracuse, I think, lost both their offensive and defensive coordinator. Um, their top running back, I think, opted out of the game, but – uh, it's it's in their backyard, their home state. So um, they're still they have they built a very good culture and good program as well. So I think it should be a very fun bowl game to follow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Um, as always, I appreciate all the fans for listening. Um, row the boat, Sky Uman, go go for. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.